Welcome everybody to today's Bible study, 365 day. Today we are on October the 26th. Let's go ahead and open this with a moment of silence followed by the Lord's Prayer, please. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Reading from Jeremiah chapter 49, verse 23 to fifty forty-six. This message was given concerning Damascus. This is what the Lord says. The towns of Hamat and Arpat are struck with fear, for they have heard the news of their destruction. Their hearts are troubled like a wild sea in a raging storm. Damascus has become feeble, and all her people turn to flee. Fear, anguish, and pain have gripped her as they grip a woman in labor. That famous city, a city of joy, will be forsaken. Her young men will fall in the streets and die. Her soldiers will all be killed, says the Lord of Heaven's armies. And I will set fire to the walls of Damascus that will burn up the palaces of Ben-Hadad. And this message was given concerning Kedar and the kingdoms of Hazor, which were attacked by King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. This is what the Lord says. Advance against Kedar, destroy the warriors from the east, their flocks and tents will be captured, and their household goods and camels will be taken away. Everywhere shouts of panic will be heard. We are terrorized at every turn. Run for your lives, says the Lord. Hide yourself in deep caves, you people of Hazor. For King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon has plotted against you and is preparing to destroy you. Go up and attack that complacent nation, says the Lord. Its people live alone in the desert without walls or gates. Their camels and other livestock will all be yours. I will scatter to the winds these people who live in remote places. I will bring calamity upon them from every direction, says the Lord. Hazor will be inhabited by jackals and it will be desolated forever. No one will live there. No one will inhabit it. This message concerning Elam came to the prophet Jeremiah from the Lord at the beginning of the reign of King Zedekiah of Judah. This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. I will destroy the archers of Elam, the best of their forces. I will bring enemies from all directions, and I will scatter the people of Elam to the four winds. They will be exiled to countries around the world. I myself will go with Elam's enemies to shatter it. In my fierce anger, I will bring great disaster. Upon the people of Elam, says the Lord, their enemies will chase them with the sword until I have destroyed them completely. I will set my throne in Elam, says the Lord, and I will destroy its kings and officials. But I will restore the fortunes of Elam in days to come. <clears throat> I, the Lord, have spoken. Chapter 50 The Lord gave Jeremiah the prophet this message concerning Babylon and the land of the Babylonians. This is what the Lord says. 
Tell the whole world and keep nothing back. Raise a signal flag to tell everyone that Babylon will fall. Her images and idols will be shattered. Her gods, Bel and Marduk, will be utterly disgraced. For a nation will attack her from the north and bring such destruction that no one will live there again. Everything will be gone. Both people and animals will flee. In those coming days, says the Lord, the people of Israel will return home together with the people of Judah. They will come weeping and seeking the Lord their God. They will ask the way to Jerusalem and will start back home again. They will bind themselves to the Lord with an eternal covenant that will never be forgotten. My people have been lost sheep. Their shepherds have led them astray and turned them loose in the mountains. They have lost their way and can't remember how to get back to the sheepfold. All who found them devoured them. Their enemies said, We did nothing wrong in attacking them, for they sinned against the Lord, their true place of rest, and the hope of their ancestors. But now flee from Babylon, leave the land of the Babylonians, like male goats at the head of the flock, lead my people home again. For I am raising up an army of great nations from the north. They will join forces to attack Babylon, and she will be captured. The enemy's arrows will go straight to the mark. They will not miss. Babylonia will be looted until the attackers are glutted with loot. I, the Lord, have spoken. You rejoice and are glad, you who plunder my chosen people. You frisk about like a calf in a meadow and nigh like a stallion. <laughs> but your homeland will be overwhelmed with shame and disgrace. You will become the least of nations, a wilderness of dry and desolated land. Because of the Lord's anger, Babylon will become a deserted wasteland. All who pass by will be horrified and will gasp at the destruction they see there. Yes, prepare to attack Babylon, all you surrounding nations. Let your archers shoot at her. Spare no arrows, for she has sinned against the Lord. Shout, cry, war cries against her from every side. Look, she surrenders. Her walls have fallen. It is the Lord's vengeance, so take vengeance on her. Do to her as she has done to others. Take from Babylon all those who plant crops. Send all the harvesters away. Because of the sword of the enemy, everyone will run away and rush back to their own lands. The Israelites are like sheep that have been scattered by lions. First the king of Assyria ate them up. Then King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon cracked their bones. Therefore this is what the Lord of heaven's army says, the God of Israel. Now I will punish the king of Babylon and his land, just as I punished the king of Assyria. And I will bring Israel home again to his own land to feed in the fields of Carmel and Bashan, to be satisfied once more in the hill country of Ephraim and Gilead. In those days, says the Lord, no sin will be found in Israel or in Judah, for I will forgive the remnant I preserve. I go up, go up, my warriors, against the land of Marathim 
and against the people of Pekod. Pursue, kill, and completely destroy them. For as I have commanded you, says the Lord, let the battle cry be heard in the land, a shout of great destruction. Babylon, the mightiest hammer in all the earth, lies broken and shattered. Babylon is desolated among the nations. Listen, Babylon, for I have set a trap for you. You are caught, for you have fought against the Lord. The Lord has opened his armory and brought out weapons to vent his fury. The terror that falls upon the Babylonians will be worked will be the work of the sovereign Lord of heaven's armies. Yes, come against her from distant lands. Break open her granaries. Crush her walls and houses into heaps of rubble. Destroy her completely and leave nothing. Destroy even her young bulls. It will be terrible for them too. Slaughter them all, for Babylon's day of reckoning has come. Listen to the people who have escaped from Babylon as they tell in Jerusalem how the Lord our God has taken vengeance against those who destroyed his temple. Send out a call for archers to come to Babylon, surrounding the city so no one can escape. Do to her as she has done to others, for she has defiled the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. Her young men will fall in the streets and die. Her soldiers will all be killed, says the Lord. See, I am your enemy, your arrogant, you arrogant people, says the Lord, the Lords of Heaven's army. Your day of reckoning has arrived, the day when I will punish you. O land of arrogance, you will stumble and fall. No one will raise you up, for I will light a fire in the cities of Babylon that will burn up everything around them. This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. The people of Israel and Judah have been wrong. Their captors hold them and refuse to let them go. But the one who redeems them is strong. His name is the Lord of Heaven's army. He will defend them and give them rest again in Israel. But for the people of Babylon, there will be no rest. The sword of destruction will strike the Babylonians, says the Lord. It will strike the people of Babylon, her officials and wise men too. The sword will strike her wise counselors and they will become fools. The sword will strike her mightiest warriors and panic will seize them. The sword will strike her horses and chariots and her allies from other lands. And they will all become like women the sword will strike her treasures and all they all will be plundered. The sword will even strike her water supply, causing it to dry up. And why? Because the whole land is filled with idols and the people are madly in love with them. Soon Babylon will be inhabited by desert animals and hyenas. It will be a home for owls. Never again will people live there. It will lie a desolated forever. I will destroy it as I destroy Sodom and Gomorrah and their neighboring towns, says the Lord. No one will live there. No one will inhabit it. Look, a great army is coming from the north, a great nation, and many kings are rising against you from far off lands. They are armed with bows and spears. They are. They are cruel and show no mercy. As they ride forward on horses, they sound like a roaring sea. 
They are coming in battle formation, planning to destroy you, Babylon. The king of Babylon has heard reports about the enemy, and he is weak with fright. Pangs of anguish has gripped him, like those of a woman in labor. I will come like a lion from the thickets of the Jordan, leaping on the sheep in the pasture. I will chase Babylon from its land, and I will appoint the leaders of my choice. For who is like me, and who can challenge me? Who rules, who, what rule can oppose my will? Listen to the Lord's plans against Babylon and the land of the Babylonians. Even the little children will be dragged off like sheep and their homes will be destroyed. The earth will shake with the shout, Babylon has taken, Babylon has been taken. It is a cry of despair will be heard around the world. We may have seasons of discipline or hardship in our lives, and this is the commentary, but we can have hope that God will restore us. <clears throat> Most of us, He wants us to worship Him alone and stop worshiping anything and everything else that takes our devotion. Ask God to show you if there are people or pursuits in your life that you are putting ahead of God. Yes. He will restore those who turn from sin and trust in Him. Seek to worship Him and look to Him with hope for the future. God's God had a message of hope for the Israelite exiles in Babylon. In contrast to the judgment and oppression they had been experiencing, the Lord would defend them and give them rest again in Israel. Some of the exiles would move back to their homeland and they would come weeping with joy and repentance, worshiping the Lord their God instead of idols and the lord will give the remnant of his people israel would be fully restored under the reign of the messiah the descendant of david no sin would then be found in israel because god's people will speak will seek him and be forgiven Isn't that beautiful no sin will be found and that's what it is jesus said it is finished it is finished. There's nothing we can add to the uh, the sacrifice of the Lord's body, the Lamb of God, is sufficient to restore our souls, our minds, our spirits. Even though we are being renewed with the Word of God and we have character flaws, we're still in love with the Lord, and that means we're still saved and we're still clean. The Lord Jesus told the disciples, You are clean by the word I have given unto you. Though so all you need is your feet washed, because we're walking in this world. And the Lord is, is uh, our advocate in front of the God, in front of the Father, pleading our case with his blood in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. What do you think, honey? Well, it's a lot to absorb. First, you got the King Nebuchadnezzar attacking. The land, and then you have um, God destroying Babylon at the same time afterward. So, I'm um, not really understanding. Yeah, they went too far, being merciless, okay. and they got arrogant. Okay, got it. That's what I needed to know. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, I, I the the two nuggets I took are 
In those days, says the Lord, no sin will be found in Israel or in Judah, for I will forgive the remnant I preserve. Okay, and he's going to bring them back to the land, and he's going to bring it. So, so that's that's good. That's you know, Israel's going to be um, saved um, because of Jesus, because of Jesus and His work. Um, the other part, just that stands out, whether you're a Babylonian or not, or whether you're a Fernando and an Anna or not, um, is that idols. Mm -hmm. Now, why is he destroying it and causing the land to be dried up and on fire and looted and plundered? Is that the whole land was filled with idols and the people were madly in love with them. So in the commentary that stood out for me is that what is it today that we're putting before the Lord? And it could be your son, your daughter that you're dawdling over or whatever. Um, it could be your job. I've been there before. I've done that with my job. Made it first priority. Put the Lord on the back burner. You know, not even, I mean, for years I was uh, at fault with that. But, you know, thank God he's such a merciful God. And still forgives me. Long for suffering. Yeah. He's long suffering is right. Um, you know, that he forgave me and showed me who he was when I needed him. When the walls crumbled, I finally got it. And so, um, you know, idols could be your football team, Anna, the Warriors, Kansas City Chiefs, um, sports. Anyway, it's it's good to put the Lord word first when we start our morning Fernando you do a good job of keeping us on the right track thank you very much for being a good leader of the home and keeping the word of God around us all the time so I appreciate you love you you're welcome thank you um, um, I love you even more today because it's payday <laughs> <laughs> so so anyways think about those things that distract us you know um, I, I know I still struggle with some things in my day that you know, can be distracting, and I, I, I work on that. So I'm constantly, you know, remembering that, you know, maybe there's something that needs to be fixed on my end. So anyway, idols are not good for us. They never are. You know, putting money as an idol, as you're, you're worshiping money or whatever. No, no, we don't do that. We've got to put our eyes on God and put our trust in God and 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 let him, you know, shower you with his So if we give God... Let me interject. Yes. We know we do a good, in the, in the beginning of the day, we, mm -hmm. we do our Bible study, and that should keep us through the day thinking yeah. about the Word of God, because right. it goes in deep. Right. So that's a good, even when we're working, we're thinking about the God, because yes. we put the Word in first. Exactly. And, and we know ourselves, and we say, we'll do it later. Yeah. Well, you know, my uh -huh. mind is spent up. My Some people can study in the nighttime. And very yeah. good. I like the morning. But us, you know, I'm I'm already burned out in the nighttime. I like to go to sleep and rest. And but lately we've been watching the Chosen on on TV, and I highly recommend you yes. download the app on your smartphone. Oh, so good. And just get into them because and pray before them and ask God to take you to a higher level mm. of consciousness and thinking because. And they only, when they wrote the Gospels, they only could put so much in them. They couldn't put characters. Mm. They couldn't, uh, uh, human nature. They couldn't really put in, you know, they got a lot of it in it. But how do people react? We're all different. We all act differently. 
So it's really pretty nice to see their imagination yes. in these writers, and you know, just they're just anointed and yes. blessings, and, and and millions, not hundreds, but millions of people have gotten back to the Bible because of the chosen. Yeah, they've gotten back together with the Lord because things were explained yeah. properly. Yes, and there were human beings trying to live in a spiritual role and wondering, just like we did, how do you do this? How do you satisfy God? How do you go to work? How do you deal with people? How do you deal with anger? How do you deal with failure and sin that's still eating yeah. your, you know, you thought. So it explains it really good. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, it's such a blessing. It's um, kind of a modern day Jesus gospel um, that sort of opens the door to, you know, maybe the dialogue they might have been having in those days. And it is really, you know, enjoyable. It's, it's, it makes you laugh, you know. But I believe what they show the best is Jesus and how he is. They portray him, you know, as a forgiving, loving God, you know. And like Fernando said, you may have all these years thought God was a, 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 a mean God, a punishing God, but... It just shows you the grace of Jesus Christ and His finished work and how He loves us. How He loves us. That's what you want to walk away with every day. Even when you read the Word. is You know, this Word here that talks about the other third thing. I said there was two things. Restores us. Okay? He restores us. And, and that's a wonderful thing to hope for because whatever problem I'm going through, I can rely on God. And know that he will restore family. He will restore, although I have to remind myself of what the word says on that. He will restore my finances. He will restore um, relationships. Uh, he will restore your, whatever it is you need restoration for. He'll restore your, your the sin that you're going through. You know, he, he's the God of restoration. And he fixes stuff. And he fixes it really good. And so that's the one thing, you know that I always rely on is God is a God of restoration. And if I call out and, and, and ask him to restore that that was taken away, uh, then he answers. He answers. Uh, to restore a family member's health, he answers. So we just keep calling on the Lord of restoration to restore because there is a scripture in Isaiah 45, 22, I believe, and it says that no one says restore to the Lord. And the Lord says that the people are robbed and they're plundered but they don't ask him to restore something. And he's more than happy to come into your situation and restore anything. Amen. In today's for. binocular, is that the right word to say? And today people, people are saying what they got instead right. of what God has. If, you, if we want what God has, we have to say, restore. Restore, Lord. Restore, Lord. Restore. Yeah. And then the God says, Jesus says, God knows exactly what we need. Yes. You know, seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So all we have to do is open the door and receive the restoration. We're not opening the door. I restore, Lord. Yes. Restore the joy. Restore. Yes, restore the, joy. Restore the, the laughter. Mm -hmm. Restore the, the energy. Restore the faith. You know, it's amazing how reading the Old Testament, what I just read, how it said that that fear gripped the people like a woman is gripped by a pregnancy, giving deliverance. Fear, anguish, and terror gripped the mightiest of men. Wow. 
See, that's the beauty of being in, in Jesus Christ, that the love breaks the fear, breaks the terror and the anguish, breaks the fear of those credit cards, that runaway child. <clears throat> Just what we do is we build on that love that Jesus has given us, and that's seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things start falling in place. We got a runaway child. We start praising the Lord. Woohoo! Thank you, God. I'm in this position. Thank you, God, for the child's life just the way it is. As soon as we say just the way it is, we're saying restore their senses. Restore their their sensibility. Restore their uh, ability to care for themselves and to value themselves and to receive the love of God. <clears throat> if we stay in love and we think about that child... <clears throat> excuse me, it's more likely that they're going to receive the love that you're thinking. <clears throat> uh, I'd like to correct myself. It wasn't 4522, it's 4222, where that scripture is. Okay, um, read the scripture, please. It says, uh, <clears throat> but this is a people, this Isaiah 4222, it says, but this is a people robbed and plundered. All of them are snared in holes, and they are hidden in prison houses. They are for prey, and no one delivers. For plunder... No one delivers for plunder, and no one says restore. See, we, we can ask the Lord to restore that. And I want to add that he's restoring that that Jesus did not take away from you. So it's important for us not to be blaming God for some of these situations. Some of them are, are allowed. Some of them are trials. Some of them are uh, from the enemy. So Jesus is always has kind, good things for us, for our development, for um, our, the abundant life that he wants to bring and take us into our destiny and do many great things for the kingdom. So it's always important to note that it's not Jesus doing this to us. And Jesus, it, the scripture says, Jesus restores that that he did not take away. I think that's in Psalm 69. I have to look that up again. But um, The Lord restores. Yeah, the Lord restores <clears throat> mm -hmm. that that he did not take away. So you know, it's it's a good practice to acknowledge that he didn't take away. What it does say is that Jesus restores 120% that that he did not take away um, in quality or quantity. So you can expect, it might look bad right now, but if you call on the Lord of Restoration, you can see it be restored. That's what we're doing yeah. right now. We're asking God to restore us like we never messed up. Uh -huh. How about if we restore that we always saved right from junior high school when we started working. I was 15 and I was a custodian at my high school. And that was when I first started working a proper job with registered. All right, we're going to get going into the New Testament, and uh, I believe God has in store for us great blessings because we're no different than a computer. We have to ask our Savior to save us. We have to ask our Savior to restore us physically, mentally, financially, and stop staying in the world of complaining and saying what we have. But what God has, we have to say what God has. Restore us, Lord. Restore us. Renew our youth like the eagles. That's scriptural. The Lord shall supply all our needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Restore all our needs, Lord. All the things that we need. Transportation, housing, entertainment, uh, exercise, 
good food, good nutrition, fresh air, clean water, restore, Lord God, bright teeth, bright white eyes, <laughs> brand new eyes, new eyelids. Mm -hmm. I found the scripture, it's in 69, Psalm 69.4, and we just read it real quick. Nice and loud, Psalm 69.4 in the New King James Version says, those who hate me without a cause are more than the hairs of my head. They are mighty who would destroy me. Being my enemies wrongfully, though I have stolen nothing, I still must restore it. Okay? So though Jesus didn't take it away from us, he still, his word says he must restore that that he did not take away. So, anyway, that's the nugget right there. Amen. Okay, would you go ahead and read uh, the book of Titus, please? Yes. Ch uh, chapter 1, yes, please. Yes, we're going into a new book. Awesome. Okay, Titus 1, 1 to 16. This letter is from Paul, a slave of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ. I have been sent to proclaim faith to those God has chosen and to teach them to know the truth that shows them how to live godly lives. This truth gives them confidence that they have eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised them before the world began. And now... At just the right time, he's revealed this message, which we announce to everyone. It is by the command of a God, our Savior, that I have been entrusted with this work for him. I'm writing to Titus, my true son in the faith that we share. May God, the Father, and Christ Jesus, our Savior, give you grace and peace. Amen. I left you on the island of Crete. So you could complete our work there and appoint elders in each town as I instructed you. An elder must live a blameless life. He must be faithful to his wife and his children, must be believers who don't have a reputation for being wild or rebellious. An elder is a manager of God's household, so he must live a blameless life. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered. He must not be a heavy drinker, violent, or dishonest with money. He must enjoy having guests in his home, and he must love what is good. He must live wisely and be just. He must live a devout and disciplined life. He must have a strong belief in the trustworthy message he was taught. Then he will be able to encourage others with wholesome teaching and show those who oppose it where they're wrong. For there are many rebellious people who engage in useless talk and deceive others. This is especially true of those who insist on circumcision for salvation. They must be silenced because they're turning whole families away from the truth by false teaching, by their false teaching, and they do it only for money. Oh Lord. Even one of their own men, a prophet from Crete, has said about them, the people of, of Crete... Crete <laughs> are liars, cruel animals, and lazy gluttons. This is so true, so reprimand them sternly to make them strong in the faith. They must stop listening to Jewish myths and the commands of the people who have turned away from the truth. Everything is pure to those whose hearts are pure. But nothing is pure to those who are corrupt, unbelieving, because their minds and consciences are corrupted. Such people claim they know God, but they deny Him by the way they live. Ooh. They are detestable and disobedient. 
Worthless for doing anything good. Wow, a word for today, Lord. Wow. Uh, let me go ahead and read the, um, the commentary. Paul had planted churches in the island of Crete, and Titus was to finish Paul's work. He was to strengthen the believers and appoint leaders. Paul recognized that Titus could not do everything alone. He probably also recognized that having a single leader is never ideal. Organization that revolve around one person is likely to reflect the flaws of their leader. A leadership group provides balance. If church or or leaders, if church leaders try to control everything without sharing the responsibility and power with others, we should wonder whether they are there to help other people or themselves. We need to steer clear of this kind of situation. These character traits for church leaders make no mention of social standing, financial resources, or professional accomplishments. Church leaders must be good spouses and parents. They need to have good reputations. They need to be humble, patient, self-control, hospital, sensible, and fair. No one can buy these character traits. No one can demand them. We get them only by entrusting our lives to God and seeking His will. God can help these character traits grow within us regardless of our circumstances. Whether we are a respected millionaire or a homeless addict, God can transform us and make us worthy to be a leader in his church. Paul encouraged Titus to confront both the believers from Crete who tended to abuse God's grace by living in sin and the believers of Jewish background who tended to deny God's grace by teaching that believers had to obey the laws of Moses <clears throat> to earn salvation. Wow. Paul's primary concern was with the legalists of Jewish background, since they undermined a life of grace with the rules and traditions. Legalism makes obedience to rules and traditions more important than our personal and transformation relationship with God. It falsely assumes that we can be good under our own power. In, in transformation of ourselves, we recognize our powerlessness. We cannot change without God's power, so we need to trust Him to help us. Paul was defending two of the basic tenets of newness of life, our powerlessness and God's sufficiency. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay, I'd like to read the commentary for today. Uh, Titus 1, 5-9, Paul briefly describes some qualifications that an elder of the church should have. Most of them are character qualities, not knowledge or skill. A person's lifestyle and relationships provide a window into his or her character. One qualification for an elder was that he must enjoy having guests in his home. Christian leaders must be known for their hospitality. In the early days of Christianity, traveling evangelists and teachers were helped by Christians who housed and fed them. We would benefit from inviting people to eat with us, visitors, fellow church members, young people, those in need. Being hospitable is very important today because so many people struggle with loneliness. It is an individualistic society. We can show that we care by being hospitable in doing so, we cultivate good relationships that should characterize the community of God's people. God wants us to be generous, courteous, and hospitable with non-Christians. 
Through our friendship, some may be won to Christ. Who could you reach out to show hospitality? Hospitality. Hospitality. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, yeah, that's a good point. Um, being an elder is, um, you know, there's too, who much is giving, much is required. There's a scripture. So, um, you know, we, we've got to display Christ in the things that we do, in our marriage, in our home. Um and in our words. Uh, so that's very true. Um, and I like it, what it says here in the commentary. God wants us to be generous, courteous, and hospitable with non-Christians through our friendship. Um, you know, Fernando, I know that you do in your AA ministry uh, for recovery. You know, this home has been used for for that on people who don't believe. And they just... I've seen with my own eyes that through your kindness and, and hospitality, uh, others come to know Christ because of that. So, um, thank you, woman. Yeah, I've seen I, it. Thank you very much. Praise yeah. God. You, yeah. you are a witness of God's working in our yes, lives. Right, Amen. right. And so, okay, so that's the reading. Um, you know, you must not be drunk, and thank God you have AA. <laughs> okay, anything you want to add? No, babe, I'm good. Okay, um, you know, and God, uh, I like the way it opens up. It says, God has chosen, I've been sent to proclaim faith. Okay? Okay. You, we've all been uh, sent to proclaim the faith of the gospel. The glorious gospel and um, you know sometimes it's at the grocery store sometimes it's your neighbor sometimes it's each other sometimes is you know your family um, there's always opportunities that God God um, brings forth for us to do that so um, you know and how do we get faith well faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God just as the persons, the people that are going to be listening to this podcast, you are, you know, putting your faith muscles out there to be stronger and stronger. And so the Word of God helps us to, um, to get our faith muscles in order so that we can speak good news to others. Because there is good news. There's always hope when we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's always... Um, you know, good things to happen, whether we're going through something, we're going through a trial, you know, it's our faith that will help us. And often what happens is when we do go through a trial, when we pray, we see um, miracles taking place through the scripture uh, that is coming to pass. And because the scripture says that God always makes his word come to pass and to accomplish what it's purpose to do. So that's why it's important to speak out the word of God. Don't, you know, stand on faith. Use the word, the promise that God has given you. And so um, you will see it come to pass now in his time. Okay, so we gotta, we got to be faithful to the word. we got to take the word. And once you've gotten through that problem or situation, I know what's happened for me is that... Uh, it could be, I've been through a seven-year, um, not a trial myself, but a family member that I helped to, you know, prophesy and pray through 
a very difficult problem is that the Lord gave us victory, but it took seven years, okay? But guess what? My faith was enlarged through that victory. So anytime we go through something, it's meant to take us from, the scripture says, from faith to faith. And, and don't underestimate the power that this word has for your problem. Uh, the scripture says that God's word is alive and powerful to the dividing of the bone marrow and joints, to joints and bone marrow. So that's how powerful it is when we speak it out, and that's how powerful it is to come to pass for, for, for us. And um, I, really, I really just believe that, you know, with, because I've experienced that. And it's exciting to see. And then you move on to the next problem at times. There'll be another problem coming away. But guess what? You've grown in faith. And that's, that's where we want to be, hearing and hearing the Word of God and chewing on it and meditating on it. So I, I, I love that. Um, I have one more comment, but I can't recall at the moment. So I'll just move forward. And, you know, by you being, by us being in the Word of God, what happens is now we can tell the difference when somebody is preaching something um, and trying to tell us different, you know. Uh, so you can discern, the Holy Spirit will discern the Word of God. And, um, and it's good, it's good for that um, also to, to be able to discern what the truth is in these times. You know, so very, very important. And um, be careful because there are a lot of uh, sheeps and wolves clothing, you know, trying to tell you different. And your spirit will know, hey, God said I'm a forgiven people. Yeah, I might have missed the mark on this, but the blood covers it. So I keep moving forward to the prize and the goal of Christ. And, um, and thank God for my the, what where I missed the mark because uh, by doing that, you're sending the enemy away who trying to discourage you and bring you down, try to make you feel like you're those voices in your head that are not from God. We got to be careful with that. Anyway, that's all I have today to say. I think that's enough. Anyway, did you read the Psalms? Uh, I'll do that right now. Thank you, babe. Appreciate. Appreciate. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> um, let's go into Psalm ninety-seven, verse one, ninety-eight to nine. The Lord is king, let the earth rejoice. Oh, let's just pray the Psalms. It says, give God praise for his righteousness, holiness, justice, and power. Wow, God, thank you, Lord. Thank you for reminding us of just in these four words and who you are, Lord. You're a God of justice. You're a God of power. You're our righteous God and you're a holy God. And Father, as Jesus is, so are we in this world, Father God. We, we, we're the, we, we have Christ in us, the hope of glory. And thank you, you've made us in your image, Father God. So we're, we're grateful for that. You've made us righteous already, Lord. You made us holy already. And you're a God of justice, and you always display your power in our lives, Father. Thank you. I praise you for that, Jesus. You're so good. You're so good to us, and, and you're just such a great God, a mighty God, a powerful God, and you always bring justice to those who are oppressed or being oppressed, Lord. Psalm 97, in Jesus' name, Psalm 97, 1 to 98, 9. The Lord is king. Let the earth rejoice. Let the farthest coastlands be glad. 
dark clouds surround him. Righteousness and justice are on the foundation of his throne. Fire spreads ahead of him and burns up all his foes. His lightning flashes out across the world. The earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord. Before the Lord of all the earth, the heavens proclaim his righteousness. Every nation sees his glory. Those who worship idols are disgraced. All who brag about their worthless gods, for every god must bow to him. Jerusalem has heard and rejoiced, and all the towns of Judah are glad. Because of your justice, O Lord, for you, O Lord, are supreme over all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods. You who love the Lord hate evil. He protects the lives of his godly people and rescues them from the power of the wicked. Light shines on the godly and joy on those whose hearts are right. May all who are godly rejoice in the Lord and praise his holy name. Sing a new song to the Lord, for he has done wonderful deeds. His right hand has won a mighty victory. His holy arm has shown his saving power. The Lord has announced his victory and has revealed his righteousness to every nation. He has remembered his promise to love and be faithful to Israel. The ends of the earth have seen the victory of our God. Shout to the Lord all the earth. Break out in praise and sing for joy. Sing your praise to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and mel melodious song, with trumpet, trumpets and the sound of the ram's horn. Make a joyful symphony before the Lord the King. Let the sea and everything in it shout his praise. Let the earth and all living things join in. Let the rivers clap their hands in glee. Let the hills sing out, out their songs of joy before the Lord. For the Lord is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world with justice and the nation with fairness. Thank you, Lord. Yes. And Proverbs twenty-six thirteen to 16 says, The lazy person claims there's a lion in the road. Yes, I'm sure there's a lion out there. As a door swings back and forth on its hinges, so the lazy person turns over in bed. Lazy people take food in their hand, but don't even lift it to their mouth. Lazy people consider themselves smarter than seven wise counselors. Amen. And the, Lord, the word of the Lord has been spoken. Let it be done according to your word in our lives, Lord. Thank you for your miracles that are taking place for everyone that's listening to this under the sound of our voice. And we just bless the people. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord's face shine upon you. And may he um, give you his shalom peace. Thank you so much for tuning in. In Jesus' name, amen.